Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome into 2017 and My W Sports Sports Sunday here on the first Sunday of January 2017. Luis Sanchez, Kyle Westcott, Eric Ayala, the crew's all here, and we're excited to get another year under our belt here on My W Sports Sports Sunday. Uh, really excited for everybody who tuned in on our Best of 2016 show. It's been uh, really incredible to see the feedback and you know hear from fans, players, and teams. It's been really um, quite quite a start to our 2017. So let's uh, let's get a little recap here because we are in a new year. EA, I know I know you're coming in today a little upset. So so what's going on today? <laughs> Jesse's gonna love this. You know, so you know sometimes you get, it's nice to have a little bit of, of wine to unwind. But you know we're, we're out of wine in the Ayala household, so I'll have to go out after we finish uh, and and toast to a, an amazing 2016 recap show and to all of the sports that we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. And Kyle, you're a wine guy yourself. So uh, what is it to go, you know, have a, a wine or, you know, a bottle of wine missing or go just gone? I tell you, that's not right, sister. That is not right. <laughs> you got to give some warning or uh, a heads up. Uh, you can't leave a sister without her wine. I mean, come on. <laughs> and I, I, I appreciate the solidarity there. <laughs> All right, so, so we'll try to figure out the missing wine case throughout the show today. We have a lot to get to. Um, we're really excited, as as always, to be here, and, and I'm really excited to have everybody back this year. It's going to be um, a quite, quite the year for MyW Sports, and I'm excited here on MyW Sports Sports Sunday. We also have Around the Leagues that you can catch every weekday. Uh, we're going to start doing it in the morning, so you know you can catch it throughout your day. So a lot of things to expect this week. Um, and look forward to that starting tomorrow, uh, which is my birthday, you guys. I'm excited. Happy birthday. Yes, happy birthday. <laughs> all right, Almost. so let's get right happy. into this show. Almost, Almost right? A couple, couple hours away. We'll, we'll get there. Um, all right, I, I need a bottle of wine for midnight tonight, so we're all getting wine today. <laughs> Lovely. All right, so let's get into it. NWHL hockey, it returns this past weekend. We did have a snow um, a snow, I guess, day for some hockey players, and they had some fun with it. So we'll get into that with the NWHL coverage, also CWHL games going on, NCAA basketball, a lot of updates to get to there. We also have some news from the NWSL, the Western New York Flash. They, they're making uh, headlines right now, and we'll get into that in just a moment. Kyle, uh, we have a fun fact of the week, though. We do. The UConn Huskies have won 89 games in a row. UConn now has the three longest winning streak, streaks in college basketball with 70 89 and 90 uh, games. 
They also have a home winning streak that now stands at 55 games. And UConn also has won 863 games without losing two in a row. That is unbelievable. Their last time, um, well, going back all the way back to 1993, they're 57-0 after a loss. So, go Huskies. 1993, that's a long time ago, Kyle. (laughs) That was uh, that was uh, a different era, we'll say. Absolutely. All right. So the UConn Huskies, uh, they'll look to make that 90 and tie their record, uh, the record streak for most wins in college basketball. That's going to be really exciting. We talked about them, and we'll get to them in just a little, a little bit later. But let's get into some hockey. We kind of missed it here on MyW Sports with the NWHL and CWHL being on break. Uh, college hockey just started up recently, so we'll get into all of that. Let's start with some CWHL action. We had the Montreal, Les Canadiens de Montreal, I should say, visit the Boston Blades. And, and Kyle, I'm going to go straight to you. I know we talked after that tie against Toronto, and, you know, you were like, well, show me something more. This is a 2-0 game where Les Canadiens were kind of held in check by, by this Boston team. Um, do you think Boston is playing better? Do you, is this kind of the growth process you expected going into the second half of the season? Yes, and, and we have to remember that, yeah, it was still a loss, but, I mean, it certainly does help to um, reduce the number of shots on goal to 30, where they used to give up, you know, 50 to 60 shots on goal to the to the Lace Canadiens. Um, and and Dahmer in, in goal has done a great job to, to keep them out of the net as much as possible. Now, um, I, I agree that this is a growing point. This is a good thing for them to move forward, uh, but we got to see a little bit more offense as well. So um, we gotta got to see some goals going in the other net as well. That's an EA. I'll bring it to you. Boston had played Montreal before. They'd given up, you know, close to double-digit goals. They have given up double-digit goals to Montreal this season. So is this kind of a step in the right direction for you if you're a Blades fan, if you're in the Blades organization? I mean, I think it is, um, you know, especially when you're coming from um, from from the basement, so to speak. Well, not so to speak. You're coming from the basement. Um, I think it's it's really about um, pulling pieces together and, and controlling the controllables and every day showing some progress. So that is good. That's not obviously the ultimate goal. I, I don't think that the Blades would say that. But, um, you know, you have to just kind of – focus on the things that you can control and correct, and um, this is, is one of those things. Absolutely. And Montreal got on the scoreboard midway through the first period. Leslie Oles, she got her first goal of the season uh, for Montreal. That gives them a 1-0 lead. They go through a scoreless second period, and this is where Boston kind of showed me a little bit on that, you know, on your defensive point, Kyle, where, you know, all season we were talking about they're giving up a lot of goals, they're starting to score goals, but now they, they kind of need to get their defense in check. And in that second period, they definitely did. I mean, the shot count in this one was 30-27 to 27 in favor of uh, Les Canadiens, but you talked about Dammer. Talk about her a little bit more, Kyle. She's been phenomenal uh, in, in the last three or four games after that after that big loss to Montreal, where I think where they lost, gave up uh, 11 goals or 10 goals. Um, so what are your thoughts on Dammer and her performance going into the second half of the season? Do you think that, you know, too much playing time is going to wear her out? Dahmer, 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 Dahmer. Um, <laughs> no, I think she's, I think she's doing a great job. I don't think it's going to uh, tire her out. I think she's a, a competitor in the net and, and she wants to be in the net and she wants to, to try to stop as many pucks as she can, uh, for the blades. Um, 
you know, she did have a little bit of a time off. You have to remember that she was a college goalie um, a few years back. Um, she's not right out of college. So I think for her as well, if we look from the beginning of the season to now, there's probably some growth in her as well, just from going from um, either playing in, in sort of recreational leagues to go to the CWHL, or, or I'm not sure, you know, exactly what she was doing in the off time, but, but this definitely is, is the growth of, of Lauren Dom as well. Absolutely. You, you talked about the offense, you know, in this matchup, they outshoot Montreal in the second period, 10 to seven. And then in the third period, 10 to nine. So looking at that offense component, EA, you know, there aren't big names on this Boston team, but you know, we've all been part of teams that haven't had a star athlete. So how, how did teams rally together to kind of build off of these performances? You know, Montreal is one of these favorites that we've been talking about. So for Boston to, to be able to compete, what were your thoughts? You know, it's funny because um, Jessica and I have been watching uh, Miracle this morning, just doing some things around uh, our, uh, the family apartment. And I think that's what you have to do. Um, you know, that's, of course, highlighting the USA uh, men's team in, in the 1980s. And uh, this is a team of amateurs. Uh, this was a team taking on uh, the Soviet Union, um, and the Soviet Union was, you know, embarrassing NHL players, so professional players. And what that team had to do is first they had to unite as one. They had to play under one system and shed whatever um, – uh, they had to – maybe not shed completely, but they had to unify under one team and really buy into that system. And then they had to be conditioned and trained in a way that wouldn't allow them to break down when it's the third period and you're tired or you're going into overtime. You have to get ready for a shootout. They had to, again, control the things that they could control. You can control your fitness. You can control how well you communicate with your teammates. Um, And so I think that's a great example um, and a very well-known example, especially in the hockey community, I would imagine, of of how you have to – rebuild yourself and rebrand um so uh you know it's, it's just about again confiding in your teammates trusting your coaches and trusting the system and then doing everything that you can to be prepared um because skill level at a certain uh, at a certain point in time doesn't necessarily get any better but you can always put in more work and the people who work the hardest and the people who grind out shifts um, are the people that are going to eventually um, get get the wins. And, yeah, I mean, it's one of my favorite movies of all time, Miracle, that is. In, and, you know, I, I think we're big fans of goalies, you and I. So the highlighting of Jim Craig in that movie kind of reminds me of, well, I, I, we can relate it to Dammer and, and how big it's been that, you know, she had that, that start to the year. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the exhibition in that movie where uh, USA doesn't do as they, they want to. And I think they lose an mm-hmm. uh, exhibition game to the Swedish national team. And that's when, you know, um, her Brooks, you know, chews out uh, Jim Craig in the team. And you talked about unifying. And I love that word because this is a young team. These are players who played for rival colleges, rival systems growing up. And now they have to, they have to come together. And, and that's a great way to put it. So Kyle, to wrap up, this uh, CWHL talk with the Blades and, and the Canadians, do you see Boston kind of making a run at the end of the year for, for a, a Clarkson Cup playoff spot? Uh, unfortunately, where they are in the standings right now, I, I think the, the deck is stacked against them. Um, do I think that they're still going to continue to play as well as they can and, and start to inch closer to it? Yeah, sure. But, but I think, unfortunately, with, with the 
uh, distance that there is between them and the, the fourth-place team. I, I don't see them breaking through into the playoffs, but I think it is a, a good start for them, and we've seen the growth this year. Goal and on offense and on defense. I mean, if you told me that they outshot Montreal for two periods back in, in November, I would have told you you were nuts or that, or that the Lays Canadians didn't show up. But, I mean, they're clearly growing and they are, they are inching their way in that direction. And you just hope that a lot of these players are able to come back next year. And, and next year we might be having a different discussion about the Blades. Absolutely. We'll look forward to that. We'll keep track of the Blades and less Canadians throughout the season. Uh, and they'll play today this afternoon. Should be starting shortly um, for game two between less Canadians and the Boston Blades. All right. The other game going on in the CWHL was the Brampton Thunder taking on the defending champs, the Calgary Inferno. Now, this was an exciting game. I know we had a really exciting game in the CW, excuse me, in the NWHL. Um, this one kind of emulated that. It was really similar, in my opinion, back and forth game where two teams were just battling to get the win. Um, Kyle, we talked about Brampton, and, and sometimes we, you know, we'll jump on their bandwagon and be like, wow, they played a really good game, had a great series. And then sometimes it's like, well, I don't really know about Brampton. This game was really fun. You kind of saw glimmers of last year's Clarkson Cup semifinal. Um, this was a 4-3 Calgary Inferno win, but this game went back and forth. The Inferno took the lead in the third period. Uh, Ila Gra- uh, Gavrilova scored the third period goal for the Inferno. Uh, Liz Knox played phenomenal. Delaney Bryant, she actually picked up an assist in this matchup. So let's get into this one, Kyle. Um, when you're talking about Calgary, everybody thinks, you know, hey, they're the team to beat. They have the goaltenders. They have everything that makes a championship team. Are, are, they, are they weak at some points? Do you see them having any weaknesses that a team like Brampton can capitalize on? No, I just think Brampton is, is the ultimate spoiler. I think that they love to play that underdog and that spoiler role. And uh, I think Calgary is still the better team. But when you have Brampton on the ice with you, you you've got to play for the full 60 minutes. And and I don't know that Calgary really played for this full 60 minutes, but they did enough in the end to, to take this game. So, um, you know, I, I think that they held their own, um, but I, I, you can't underestimate Brampton. And if either team, whether we're talking about Calgary or uh, Montreal, go into the playoffs and they, they match up with Brampton, that's going to be a very tough matchup for, for whoever takes Brampton. Absolutely. And you talk about two goalies who have kind of Clarkson Cup experience. Um, anything can happen on a given day. When you think about the back and forth play of this game, does that give Brampton confidence, especially they're playing again today? So we'll see, you know, what game two has to say about it. But do you, you do take this as like, all right, well, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we can go and win a one game, one game series. And if that's the mindset going into the playoffs, I mean, anything can happen, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so EA, I'll bring there's, it to you. Uh, when you oops, sorry, go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, I was just going to say, there's, there's, again, when you get to the playoffs, anything's possible. And like I said, they love to play that spoiler role. So it's going to be difficult uh, for, for whoever has to face Brampton. So EA, when you're playing in a game like this, you know, especially a game that's high caliber as, as this, there's only one penalty in this matchup. Um, does that surprise you a bit? I mean, you know, it's. I think it just goes to show the talent uh, that these two teams have. I think it is. It is a little bit surprising, though, to see such uh, little penalties. Just because, you know, not all penalties are intentional. Uh, you know, sometimes you just get caught up 
in a game, but, um, you know, whether it was just the referees and, uh, you know, kind of allowing the game to go on and understanding and realizing that some things just kind of happen in the flow of the game, or if it was just a really tight, um, very uh, aggressive, but not overly aggressive game. It's hard for me to say. I was stranded in Newark. I know we'll get to that a little bit later, but, um, um, you know, I, I, I do think it's interesting, but I also, I can imagine that it was an exciting game to watch. I think as a fan and certainly as a player, you don't want the whistle blown all the time. It interrupts uh, play. And sometimes, I'll speak from my personal experience, sometimes the the more whistles you hear, the more agitated you get. Uh, and that kind of feeds into sometimes and plays into those silly fouls as, as you hear um, sometimes analysts and even coaches talk about. that you have a game like we saw last night you talked about it the excitement of it um you know calgary takes the lead brampton uh comes back and and then brampton takes the lead calgary comes back and then it's just back and forth play throughout the rest it's, it's you know if one team scores the other team responds and then in the third period calgary takes the go-ahead lead and their defense uh does the rest so big shout out to the cwhl for starting their action this weekend we were really excited to get underway um so calgary and Brampton will be playing each other this afternoon, as well as Left Canadians versus Boston. Catch the rest of the updates on Around the Leagues on Monday um, with me. Uh, let's move from CWHL to NWHL. We had one game. It was the, the biggest game for us here at MyW Sports because of, you know, who we root for, New York versus Boston. You know, we, we love getting into friendly banter here. Uh, but that game was postponed, EA. So tell us a little bit about what happened between the Pride and the Riveters. Sure. So uh, there was some, for those not in the Northeast, there was some um, expected uh, snowfall really all the way down through, I want to say the the Carolinas, um, definitely North Carolina. And so that snowfall more than likely contributed to a huge accident. Um, I believe it was on um, US-91, which is the route that the Boston Pride happened to be taking um, on their way to Newark. So that left the the Pride stranded, I believe, um, Alyssa uh, Gallardi, she tweeted uh, that they were on the bus for about 12 hours. Uh, so all that to say, um, I think it was around 3 p.m., uh, the league um, postpones the game. They officially call it. Uh, now, um, we'll also get into this a little later with our women's football coverage, but I was already out and about in the snow actually at a tryout uh, for the New York Sharks. So I just made my way to Newark, got there nice and early, was ready for the game, and then it ended up getting canceled. Um, so it looked like, uh, before we get into the fun stuff from that game or the non-existent game, uh, it did look like Hillary Knight was going to suit up for the Boston Pride. That's huge because uh, to date in this season, she has only suited up for one game for, for Boston. In this calendar year, she hasn't suited up at all in the NWHL. So I'm sure that a lot of people were excited to see her back on the ice. Um, it was up in the air as to whether um, Amanda Kessel, who has also only played one game, was going to return. Uh, it looked like it was probably Katie Fitzgerald who was going to get the start for New York as Sojun Shin is traveling with her national team. Uh, they are playing uh, right now. So, um, you know, it would have been interesting. A lot of storylines would have been coming out of that, obviously, as we discussed in our wrap-up show for 2016, an unprecedented hockey, professional hockey winning streak. 
coming from Boston and especially having Hillary Knight back, knowing that these two teams to shoot out, to, took it to a shootout, excuse me, the last time they were in New Jersey. But we will have to save all those storylines for not next weekend, but the weekend after uh, when the Boston Pride travel again or attempt to travel again down to Newark. And Kyle, I'll bring you in on this one. I mean, I was heading to the Boston College, Boston University game, and, you know, the snow had started falling a lot more than, uh, excuse, a lot quicker than uh, meteorologists. I don't know why I blinked on that. Meteorologists had expected. So I'm sitting here like two hours before the game, like, oh, man, this is a lot of snow. I get to the game, and I read that there's an accident in, in Middleton, and I, I had, you know, worked at ESPN, so I know the Connecticut highways. I'm like, wait, wouldn't that be the one that the Pride are taking down to get to – <laughs> through Connecticut to New York, and and sure and behold, it was. So, EA, or uh, Kyle, I'll go to you first, and I'll, I'll get EA's opinion on this. When something like this happens, I mean, shouldn't the league kind of be on top of it? Because I, I guess uh, on the counter, we were told that the Fenway games for yesterday were canceled, you know, way before 3 o'clock. So I, I guess just on, a, on on an outside looking in, w- some fans were upset about it, that it, it happened so late. So what were your thoughts on it? And then, EA, I'll get your thoughts on this, too. Yeah, I agree. I think it was a a little late, but you have to think of, you always want to try to get the games in, obviously. Um, But you also want to keep in mind the player safety because you don't want them to to try to rush to get down there. Let's say they decide, okay, you know what, we're still going to play this, but we're going to play it two hours later because the day that that when they get there, now they're ready to play a game. As, As EA said, they were on a bus for, you know, if you take away probably the travel home time, they were on a bus for at least eight hours. So, you know, you got to keep in mind player safety. And I understand uh, fans were upset that it did happen so late, but, but I'm okay with, obviously we want to play games, but if, if it has to happen, um, you know, player safety still has to come first. Yeah. And um, I guess I'll jump in here. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of different thoughts as far as canceling the game. Um, the day prior, I guess that's a decision that could be made, but I think Kyle, you were alluding to the fact of, you know, not knowing what scheduling and rescheduling now this game will have to be rescheduled. I mean, I'm definitely not a meteorologist, but I can tell you as a New Yorker, uh, especially from New York city, we, we pretty much don't shut down. Uh, It's got to be pretty bad for things around here to shut down. So, um, you know, just knowing that if the league is, is looking to what, the, loca- the the municipality and, and what's happening in that area, I don't think that, you know, if, if the reports were coming from Newark, that that was going to be indicative necessarily of, um, you know, I guess that's not a good benchmark for some maybe because, again, the Devils played. I was literally right next door, uh, and there was a lot of things going on. Like I said, I was at a New York Sharks uh, tryout, so, again, I guess it's maybe it's a cultural thing, but, you know, we don't really shut down very much here at all. But that does bring in an interesting point. First, personally, it was a little frustrating to be out and about and, you know, to get the news um, just because I had already planned ahead and, and made sure to get to the event early, which, I'm, I mean, it happens, but it, it doesn't look like I was kind of an outlier there. So I didn't see that there were a lot of people necessarily put out, at least from what I saw. Um, you know, not from Twitter or whatever, but actually at the venue. Um, but what I will bring up is that um, someone that goes by uh, 
senator, I guess, S.E.N. Brant Feldman from AGM Sports. I believe he represents, I don't think he represents all of Team USA, but I do think he represents uh, Megan Duggan. And so he had been tweeting, and I, I started catching up with this once I finished with the Sharks, uh, about some of what you both were talking about, about, you know, canceling the game um, a little earlier and, and had kind of taken to Twitter to say that he had tried to reach out to Danny Ryan and the league. And I get the idea of player safety and, you know, for all I know there were or maybe there weren't conversations um, earlier in the day about canceling this game. Um, but I guess the, the issue that I take with this particular method of communication on the issue is that, you know, I, I mean, I, and I also want to get your opinions on this. Um, I don't know. It just kind of left a, a little bit of a poor taste in my mouth about how uh, Mr. Feldman was kind of using Twitter and social media to, I don't know, kind of put a blemish on how things were handled. And that's not me saying that things were handled well. It's not me saying that things were handled poorly. I guess it, it was just a little interesting that the first communication that I heard about the potential of canceling the game came from this gentleman as opposed to the league. So I don't know if you guys have seen some of that going on or what your thoughts are. Go ahead, Kyle. I'll let you respond, and I'll jump in. I agree, and I, I think it's difficult any time that you cancel an event um, of this magnitude. Of how how do you get that that word out? Um, I mean, I got the the tweet from the NWHL. You know, how do you tell fans that bought tickets or people who are going to just walk up? Um, you know, that's something that I think every professional sport uh, league has to deal with. So. Um, I, I don't think this is a, a, an issue of, of that the NWHL is uh, deficient in how they do it. I just think it's a very difficult thing for any professional league to try to tell everybody, hey, you know, we're we're not going to actually play this game today. Um, other than Twitter, other than posting it on your website, um, you know, I, I don't know how, how to get that word out better. Yeah, I'm with Kyle on this one too. And, and EA, to your point, it kind of leaves left a bad taste in my mouth. But you know, and I think we're getting this a lot with the NWHL ever since you know the whole player salary announcement. And um, there there are some fans who just don't buy into what the NWHL is doing. And you know, when I'm sitting here on Twitter and I'm watching all these comments, it, it kind of irks me as well. And I think they call it what Twitter trolls, uh, uh, Twitter trolls. So like. You know, they just they they make they make their their happiness or they get their their fix off of you know some diminishing something or grabbing something and making it you know I guess something that it shouldn't be. And I thought this was you know I, I agree with you guys. I think when you take account player safety um, and you want to make sure that you do everything in your power to make it happen, which they did. They tried you know they waited until three o'clock in the afternoon to cancel a game. It's not like they did this at nine o'clock in the morning. Um, and even then, you know, you, we, we know, we, 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 uh, we've lived in the Northeast for a long time. Sometimes you're all just get wrong and it's not going to be as bad or as, as, um, as we thought, you know, yesterday, I didn't think it was going to be that bad, but it was. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. And I think, you know, to your point, when somebody takes to Twitter and that's their first form, uh, diminish the league and say, hey, this isn't good, you know, blah, 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 blah. I think that, that doesn't do the league justice, especially if you have players in the league where, you know, their their fan support is basically what's going to help them get more money. 
um, I don't think that helps. I think that, that takes fans away and that takes people away, and that's not what, I guess, an agent, if, if that's what he is, should be doing for, uh, for his player and the league that she represents. Yeah, I definitely uh, agree with that last point. Um, again, not saying that these are are not concerns. Of course they are. Uh, but just the way that you handle it, and, and to your last point, I, I really appreciated your last point, uh, Lewis, about, you know, what does this mean for the greater uh, context of a relationship between a player and agent and a league, and then that agent and player and that league among the fan base? Um, so I just think, you know, there, there, there have to be other methods of communication and, and, you know, just I'd like to see it tightened up by all parties, I guess, um, involved. And, and those parties that I'm talking about specifically in this uh, situation would be um, Feldman and uh, I suppose the league and just making sure that they find a way to get on the same page um, because it doesn't help when, when all of this is kind of going out. It just creates confusion. And. And EA, you know, I guarantee he's not the only person, you know, to reach out to the league yesterday and say, hey, is this game still happening? Um, but he was one of very few to go to Twitter and say, you know, that he was really unhappy about his the response that he got. So, um, right, you know, right. those are the, and then those he are didn't the have his – no, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no I was just – yeah, I was just going to say, like, that, that, you know, those are kind of the things that, you know, people, people are reaching out. It's not like – you know, he's the only one saying, oh, my God, you know, the league didn't do this for me or whatever. You know, I bet they were media who reached out, you know. Right, right. And, you know, how many phones can one person answer at a time? Exactly. I, I mean, exactly. Just, just a thought. <laughs> just a thought. Um, All, All right. right. So, so, but let's that, go, was, that let's was a go, little bit of that drama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mini that, drama. That, that, that little winter storm drama that we get sometimes. Um <laughs> All right, so we had we had another game. We had you know some excitement with the Boston Pride and the Riveters, um, but let's 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 get into the game that actually happened. The Buffalo Buttes went down to Connecticut and played the Connecticut Whale. And these games always are are just a joy to watch if you're a fan of hockey. The the, the quality of battles that these two teams have had since the start of last season, the inaugural year for the NWHL. Um, you know, people say that this is a rivalry. I think it, it's definitely one of the best in the NWHL. Uh, kind of goes unnoticed be- between, you know, the other teams. But I think this one is, is a great one. The Buttes take an early 3-0 lead. Kelly Stedman scores first. Uh, Skeets gets on the board. Brown gets on the board. They have a 3-0 lead. Then the Whale respond. It's a 3-3 game. Megan Huertas, who just signed her contract with the Connecticut Whale, she scores her first professional go- uh, goal. Um, in her first professional game, so that's an accomplishment. We'll get to that in a moment. Dana Trevino, Michaela Long, they scored to tie it up, and then we'll get to the second half in a, in a few. So that first half of this game, um, the Buttes take this 3-0 lead. It looks like they're going to run away with it. But and then, you know, you think in the back of your mind, eh, you got to be careful, and then the way will come back. First, let's talk about Megan Huertas. I mean, was that phenomenal or what, EA? Um, I mean, just you know, coming in and getting your first goal after coming out of retirement. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a great storyline. Again, this was a game that I was kind of, speaking of Twitter, I was kind of keeping up with those people who were tweeting while I was making my way back from uh, Newark. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to see and hear a little bit more about her pro game. But I, I do think that, um, you know, first of all, this was a 6-5 game. Can we just talk about that? I mean, like, offense was at a premium. Um, and that does seem to happen in these games, um, between that being between uh, the Buttes and, and Connecticut. So I'm glad to see, just as, you know, uh, uh, an NWHL fan, 
that these two teams continue to to entertain with the rivalry. Um, you know, and I think that it it just goes to show that this um, pack behind Boston really have a lot of talent. And it's going to go back to though what we talked about a little bit earlier when we were talking about the CWHL is is about tightening up um, because these these um, you know really high scores. Um, and lopsided at times, um, it's great that you can come back from a 3-0 uh, deficit, but also how can we tighten up so that maybe that doesn't happen so early in a game? Absolutely. And, you know, you talked about it, 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 and the defense was, for at least Connecticut at first, it looked like, you know, they weren't ready to be here. And then in the second period, it kind of switched. It was a tale of, like, two periods because the, the latter half of the first was dominated by Buffalo, and then beginning of the second and, and later in the second was all Connecticut. So we go into this third period, and we're all tied up at three. So, Kyle, we get more offense in the third period. And, it, you know, when you go into the third, you think, all right, things are going to buckle down a bit. Um, defenses are going to, you know, collapse more. Well, this, this, that just didn't happen. Buffalo scores three goals. Connecticut scores two. As EA said, the final is six to five. Um, Devin Skeets, she had a great game. Megan Mangine, who was a former Boston Pride player, she scored the tying goal for the Whale, um, but couldn't couldn't get them back in it. So, what were your thoughts about this final um, the final third period in this matchup? We lose Kyle. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, you know what? I I think what I worry a little bit about is is the high scoring affair. Um, I don't think that the high scoring affair is going to help either of these two teams when it goes further into uh, playoffs or just tough games against specifically against the pride, because I think that the, the way that you have to beat the pride is you have to limit their scoring. So it's great that they scored a lot of goals, but I, I don't think that they want to get into a shootout with the pride. So and I thought Buffalo had done a much better job of recent time really slowing down uh, the, their opposing teams. And we saw when they played uh, the Pride earlier in the season that they were able to keep it to a lower scoring game. So I, I worry a little bit. It's great that they scored a lot and it's, it's fun hockey, but, you know, I hope that that's not kind of the, the goal that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. And so, I'm sorry, were you going to jump in? No, no, go ahead. Okay. Um, so when when you talk about these two teams, EA, you said it too. I mean, it, I think it was last year where it it was just a back-and-forth game, and then it went into a shootout where I was so impressed with Buffalo and Connecticut. Um, and, and this game kind of brought that back out. It was like, oh, my God, these teams can beat Boston if they play this well. Um, so, so did you have that kind of idea as well, watch, or, you know, following this game as well? Like, wow, if they can score – you know, and they play this well, then maybe they'll have a chance against Boston in a one-game playoff. So, uh, yes, I think that, that that is something that you think about this because, I mean, this is not an anomaly for a, a Boston team to score five, six goals. So, yes, the fact that you're seeing other teams capable of, of posting um, that score, I, I think that, that that argument can be made. But I do want to go back to something that Kyle was saying. And, um, you know, if, if Boston on a regular day in a regular game can score five or six goals and then you up the ante and now the game gets ramped up, I don't think, though, that Boston is a team that's going to 
max out at five or six goals. I think that, you know, they are quite capable of taking it to, um, um, you know, another uh, gear, cranking it up to another gear. So then where I would agree with Kyle is, um, and this is something just to bring in the Riveters also, particularly on their power play, that we're not seeing is discipline. Um, There's a lot of skill in this league, but I think that all teams, even Boston, uh, particularly early in those first few games. I mean, and they have gone to a shootout where they were, I mean, just against the Riveters, they were they had an early, I mean, like five minute into the game type 2-0 lead and ended up going into a shootout with, with the Riveters. So what I, I want to see all of the teams, all four teams do is just have a little more discipline. But that's not just, you know, I mean, you're going to make mistakes, hopefully not as many um, mental errors, um, you know, if you can limit those, that's always good. But what I mean by discipline, and maybe a better word, is um, just kind of more control. Control the pace. Control the speed. Sometimes you have to know when to when to ramp things up, and sometimes you have to know when to, to kind of hit the brakes. And we talk about this a lot when we talk about the WNBA and the new, um, excuse me, the Minnesota Lynx are a team that does an excellent job controlling the game and they they play their game and then they force other people if they're going to beat them to find a way to beat them but every every game the Minnesota Lynx play their game and I don't think there's a team in the NWHL even Boston that does that consistently yeah and that's a great point is when you talk about you know team sizing up Boston I guess because that's 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 the idea is that you know Boston all right they're great they're good they're going to be in the playoffs that's a team to beat but you know, let's say if Boston is stunned somehow, some way, they're stunned in that first round of the playoffs. Who are the two teams you think, EA, and then Kyle, I'll go to you. Who are the two teams you think that can be in the finals, taking Boston out of it? We might have lost them that time, but I'll, I'll chime in real quick. Uh, as far as who, who can take Boston out of that. Um, I honestly think that any team has the potential. Um, I think I would give the edge to um, I'd give the edge to to Buffalo right now. Um, just knowing that they have last season under their belt, um, and um, so th- that's a team that they know that they can pull it together. I think the Connecticut Whale team is very skilled, but they're also a different team than they were last season. So I don't think that, um, you know, I think that they're still, they're still jockeying even among themselves to kind of find their true identity. And of course, losing two players, two defensemen in Billick and Engstrom is, is going to impact that. Um, the Riveters definitely have the talent. They have the speed, but I, I think that they're least equipped from my perspective on the discipline end. And, um, I mean, I think right now the statistic is that they are 0 for 13 on the power play in the last three games. They went two back-to-back 0 for 5ers and an 0 for 3 in the the win against Connecticut right before the break when So Jun Shin got her first um, career shutout and the second for the franchise. So I, I think right now it would – I, I would go with Buffalo. I think they have the best chance, but it's it's really tight, which we're seeing play out in the standings. But that that's my inkling. And, and you're saying, 
And you're saying if Boston isn't in it, who would be the two teams? I mean, I got to agree with EA here. I think um, Buffalo has the capability to play great defense and stop teams. So defensively, I would go with the Buttes. And I would say the Riveters as well, if, especially if they can add Amanda Kessel before the playoff time. I think they already have a good core of players playing right now. They've gotten great play from their rookies like Russo and Dench. And now you add Kessel as well, who's going to definitely, in my opinion, be a top goal scorer once she gets started. Um, you know, I think, I think that the Riveters are a team that offensively can beat the other two and they might even offensively if they can stop the, the pride they might be able to beat the pride mm. Good point. i'll jump i'll jump on that bandwagon too i i i, I it's going to be both new york teams i, I love the whale obviously because of all the bc talent down there um but I, I don't think that they have what these other teams have just yet and i think i get my, my first pick just based on what we've seen recently is new york just just they have the confidence now, and, you know, when you have exterior motives, whether it's rivalry and, you know, Boston, New York, or playing, you know, teammates who you played against or played with, um, I think these two teams have a lot of similarities. So Boston and New York, I think, you know, if you give some players to different teams, they can be uh, similar systems, and I, that's why I think that they can, uh, the Riveters can at least beat the Pride. So if, if I had to pick two teams in, in, you know, the Isabel Cup championship that wasn't the Pride, I, I'd pick the Buttes and the Riveters. All New York, an all New York final. That sure would be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, so let's finish up some hockey talk. We finished up our NWHL. You catch more action next weekend. Uh, If you need to check the schedule, go to nwhl.zone, or you can follow it on mywsports.com. Just scroll down. We'll have updated games on the right side of the screen. Um, All-Star game is in Pittsburgh this year. Uh, Fan voting, media voting, all that great stuff was just announced. Uh, the Skills Challenge will be on February 12th, and the All-Star Game will be on February 13th. Before we, we go to college hockey, any thoughts on the All-Star Game before we wrap up? No, I think it's awesome, and I can't wait for it to happen. I, I'm very excited for the players that have already been selected, and I'm very curious mm-hmm. to see who else gets selected from uh, the captain's vote. Yeah, and I would just add that I already think we're starting to see a little bit um, – I think we're starting, we've seen things even out a little. I think that's why the, the voting process was changed. I'm very excited to see Kelly Babstock, um, obviously, you know, being, being um, home, homegrown here in New York. Uh, obviously, the Riveters are, are making a really great case. I mean, Russo is a shoe-in. Uh, Madison Packer continues to reign as a fan favorite. And Ashley Johnston, what a workhorse. Um, very excited by those picks, but um, Babstock in particular, um, really glad to see her going to Pittsburgh. Absolutely. A lot, lot to look forward to. Um, and we'll keep you updated, <clears throat> excuse me, on all the selections here for the NWHL All-Star Game and also the CWHL All-Star Game, which is also coming up shortly. All right, let's get to college hockey as we are getting close to uh, the 1 o'clock hour here on My Debut Sports Sports Sunday. Uh, ice hockey news, number one, Wisconsin, they defeated Lindenwood. The second game was canceled due to weather. Minnesota played the Minnesota Whitecaps in an exhibition. They were down 4-2, to two, scored three goals, uh, two goals in the, in the third period, and then scored in overtime to defeat the Whitecaps 5-4. to four. 
Uh, if you remember, Minnesota did lose to Boston University before the break, so another exhibition game to get them ahead of schedule for the second half of their year. St. Lawrence falls to Mercyhurst in, uh, in conference action 5-2. to two. Minnesota Duluth, they fall to the Whitecaps in an exhibition 5-2. to two. Uh, St. Lawrence will play Mercyhurst again today, and Minnesota will take on Minnesota State. Um, there's a lot going on in college hockey right now. It seems like every week we have one big upset, one, you know, one of the top five falling or, or at least tying to an opponent. Um, Kyle, when you think about these teams at the top and, and even the teams just shortly behind them, it looks like there's there's gonna there's a certain I guess number of teams that we know are gonna get into the tournament at this point. But when you look at teams that might be you know a dark horse in this race, a team that can come out of nowhere, um, we saw Clarkson make a big run last year. We saw Boston College obviously make a big run. What are your thoughts on on a team in NCAA hockey that can you know make a run in the second half of the season? Oh boy. I mean, I think this year, I think we'd be looking like we looked at Clarkson at an ECAC team that, um, you know, maybe is just under the radar, uh, depending on who comes out at the top of that ECAC chain. Uh, they're definitely, in my opinion, I think definitely going to have at least a second, maybe even a third team come out of the ECAC this year. So, um, I, I think that that's where we got to keep our, our eyes for kind of a dark horse or an underdog. Um, I, I mean, I'd still look at, like you just said, Minnesota took on professional for the line players with the Minnesota Whitecaps and beat them in overtime. So, you know, they, they can, they're, they're playing great hockey right now. And I, I don't know, I don't know who can stop Minnesota right now, other than maybe that dark horse that we're not, you know, that we're not sure of that's going to upset them and kind of take the, the, take them when, when nobody expects it. And EA, I'll move that one over to you. I mean, we, we talked a little bit about Colgate. We talked about Quinnipiac. We talked about uh, Kelly Stebbins, Robert Morris. There's a lot of great teams in college hockey this year. Is there a team out there that sticks out to you minus the top five that you think, Hey, you might want to watch out for them. Um, you know, I, I can't say, I can't say that there's one particular team. I think all the teams that you mentioned, uh, you can make a case for them. Um, I mean, just kind of seeing teams progress, obviously. Um, I think Quinnipiac is, is a really great, uh, solid choice. Um, we mentioned BU a little bit earlier and how they were able to, you know, take down Minnesota. That was a really exciting game. So I think I, I'll just stick with what I've been saying is that we're starting to see, you know, the talent um, really, really uh, widen up and, um you know, I think it'll be – it's going to be exciting to see what happens when we get down to the wire. So I don't have any, any bold predictions. I, 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 don't, uh, I don't think I'm quite ready for that in NCAA hockey just yet, but um, I, I do predict that it's, it's going to be – it's going to continue to grow and the competition is just going to get more fierce, which is all the more reason why we really want to see the CWHL and the NWHL continue to thrive so that we can – see this great talent continue to grow at the professional level as well. Kyle, I agree with you. I think it might be an ECAC team. Um, You know, I think the CHA, if Robert Morris can can keep up this pace throughout the rest of the season, I think that they can make quite a run. But I'm going to agree with EA, and it hurts me to do this, not because I'm agreeing with EA, but the team I'm picking. Um, I'm going to say Boston University. I mean, in in recent years, you saw BU take down BC, whether they're the number one seed in the conference, uh, during the Hockey East tournaments, and, and 
a win against Minnesota. You have a win under your belt against Boston College. You have a tie uh, after uh, yesterday afternoon's matchup between BC and BU. So I think they're a confident bunch. They do play to their opponents, and I think that's their weakness. They lost to UConn. They have a loss to Maine. Um, but I, I think they're the team that you might want to watch out for, especially being in, in the hockey and having that kind of reputation of being a playoff team. You want to watch out for those Terriers. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have the pedigree and the experience to do it as well. So that, I think I think BU is a good choice as well. All right, so let's finish up this hockey talk and move on to some basketball. We talked about UConn at the start of the show, 89 consecutive wins, uh, second most in college basketball history, the Huskies. Uh, we talked about them at length here on the show. They have a chance to move it to 90 coming up uh, this week. So for both of you, um, I guess the question I was asked this week is, does UConn make it to 100? So Kyle, I'll ask you, and then EA, you can jump on. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, that was <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask too, like, okay. <laughs> so I'm looking at the I think the question was the Maryland game. And I think once they got past the Maryland game, now they go into uh, conference play. And I just don't see anybody in their conference that's going to give UConn any trouble. And so then you're looking at the next game would be the February matchup with uh, South Carolina. I think that's the next opportunity that they, they may lose a game. Um, but, I mean, the, the conference play between now and then, they're going to rack up a few more here at least. All right, so they're at 90 now, right? 89 now. 89. So yep. let's see. Uh, one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, I mean, their 11th game would be South Carolina. So I, I, I'm probably going to agree with Kyle on this. Um, that it's it's looking really good. Um, it's looking really good. Um, it would be something, right? The team that stops them from that is South Carolina. Uh, I mean, you can't write that up. I think also that's pretty exciting because I plan to be at that game. So um, you know, that should that that would be a lot of fun. But I mean, you look at who they have playing. They're playing. South Florida, Tulane, East Carolina, um, Temple, um, or excuse me, they already played East Carolina. Um, I don't, I don't really see on paper um, UConn being stopped before South Carolina. Uh, I don't see it happening um, in the conference that they're in. So I would agree with Kyle on this one. I mean, although you never know. Um, but I mean, UConn has overcome all the buzz and the hype of the other number ones. Um, Samuelson having stomach flu, allegedly throwing up on the sidelines. So you know what? What's going to shake this this foundation at UConn, if not any of those things uh, before South Carolina? I just don't know. I don't see it. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but improbable is what I'll I'll stick with. So and, and like you said, yeah, it's going to be incredible to see UConn going into that matchup against South Carolina at 99 wins, and you know who knows what happens that day. We saw Stanford uh, back when UConn was at 90 wins; they took them down. So 
Um, I think this is really exciting. I agree with both of you. I, I, I will give South Florida a little bit more of a shot. I don't think it's going to be um, as bad as ECU or UCF. I think that you, uh, South Florida has grown to be a better program, and I think that's in large part due to Connecticut and you know the years of embarrassment that they suffered at the hands of Connecticut. So I think South Florida will be competitive in these matchups, obviously not as uh, competitive as some of the top-ranked teams that UConn has played. But I agree with both of you. I think the biggest matchup on their schedule coming up is South Carolina the day before Valentine's Day. Um, so I, I'm excited for it. I think, I think we all agree here that they can possibly get to 100, but that 100th game is going to be their biggest challenge, right? Yes. Definitely. All right. Oh, baby. Let's do it. All right, let's get ready for it. Remember, mark your, mark your calendars. Uh, so let's get right on to Western New York. We had some breaking news this week from the NWSL. The Western New York Flash, the defending champs, are not going to be in Western New York anymore. The storied franchise is moving. They got sold to a buyer down in North Carolina. And I think, EA, we had talked about this before with the whole getting a team to North Carolina. Yeah, so I think the buzz has, you know, the buzz started when um, there was a, a group from North Carolina that it was really trying to get both um, MLS and NWSL soccer um, to their club, to their franchise. And so that, that started, you know, a little bit of a buzz um, and some endurance from UNC Chapel Hill, of course, storied program uh, had been making some pitches to, to get professional soccer to North Carolina. Then at one point, Heather O'Reilly, who went to UNC and also lives in North Carolina, that's where she resides when she's not with her club team, FC Kansas City. Um, so you have these heavy hitters, you know, you know, needless to say, in women's soccer talking about bringing North Carolina uh, some uh, soccer, professional soccer to North Carolina. Uh, and then all of a sudden in the wee hours of the night, uh, let me see, was it Thursday night going into Friday morning, yeah. I believe? Um, you, you know, you start hearing that the Western New York Flash uh, have been sold. So now uh, we're at Sunday now. There's a major announcement coming from North Carolina FC on Monday, so tomorrow afternoon. Uh, the speculation is that the announcement will be to make this official that the Western New York Flash are moving to North Carolina. Um, but I, what I find striking about this is Western New York just won the NWSL championship, but then the Western New York Flashers, and you know we've we've done our series on uh, behind every team on supporters groups and the flashers we've spoken to Western New York flash uh, fans, not necessarily for a particular article, but uh, this is a team that when they were losing to sky blue, they predicted the score line to the goal uh, and even to the goal scorers. So this is a, this is a supporters group um, and uh, that is locked into their team. They love their team. When there was the, the the Twitter drama about Ashlyn Harris uh, allegedly, you know, kind of putting down the organization for how they interact with their fans, you saw Sammy Mewis come in and, and really hold down her team. And so for us to get this news in the wee hours of the night that Western New York Flash would be leaving for North Carolina without giving their fans a proper uh, champion's parade and celebration, I think that's what hit me the hardest. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I'll jump on this point. 
the thing that caught my eye the most was a tweet by I think it was a father who they had Western uh, New York Flash jerseys. The caption was simple. It was like, you're not letting us, you know, you're not letting uh, the NWSL down. I'm sorry, I got to remember this correctly. You're not letting the NWSL down. You're letting these little girls down. Um, And it kind of was, you know, talking about you sold out to go to North Carolina. And for me, you think about all the people that you impact. And that's really, you know, we can talk about different sports and different athletes, but you grow that appreciation for that person. We've talked about it here on My W Sports of the athletes that really grown to admire. So I think that's really what struck me about it was, like you said, they, they, the fans and the people who've supported this team for so long aren't given uh, the proper farewell. You know, they're finding out on Twitter right. on Friday morning or Thursday at midnight, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's tough. I think it also, though, is a fine line to put a lot of that onus on the owners of, like, you're, you're crushing little girls' and boys' dreams um, and certainly on the players, I, I think just of how Molly Engstrom talked about the difficulty of making a decision, knowing that it could be fun that she's choosing to leave a league, um, which is, is a correlation to her not caring about the growth and development of the sport. So I think it is a fine line there, but also on the professional, on the business side of things, which we also talk about in the NWHL and with U.S. soccer, there's a way to do things. There's a way to announce bad news in a way that's not going to make it even worse. And I don't think that um, we have seen that with this particular situation. Absolutely. And we'll touch on this a little bit more throughout the week, and we'll have more on it on My W Sports Sunday next week. Yeah, I want to give you a minute left to talk about your, uh, your, your time at the New York Sharks tryout yesterday. Ah, uh, yes. So the Colette Smith uh, longtime listener uh, and guest, um, invited us to, to go out to the final tryout. There were six women, uh, including one that originally hails from the Czech Republic, uh, where there is women's uh, tackle football, American-style football. Um, so she had heard about the team, excited to try out, and all six women were invited to the boot camp, which actually the Sharks are getting ready to hit the turf in Long Island for their boot camp. Um, so congratulations to those six women. We're going to have a little bit more of a write-up uh, on the experience as well as some video, but, uh, you know, there's some veterans in the mix. Of course, Colette was there, and there was a little bit of coverage by uh, the local Fox uh, syndicate here in New York. Um, so, you know, before you know it, we're going to be talking not only football, but football. So we're looking forward to that. Absolutely. It's going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, man, I'm fighting a cold. I apologize. So um, it's going to be a fun, fun and exciting time as we move into um, more sports after hockey season, and we'll get you all your coverage on hockey season, the playoffs, whether it's Isabel Cup, Clarkson Cup, NCAA championships. We'll keep you updated on college basketball and all the college sports that will be getting underway as we move into the spring. For uh, Eric Ayala, Cal Westcott, I'm Luis Sanchez. I want to appreciate everybody for joining us here on our first show of 2017. As always, follow us on social media at Sports as we bring you Motivational Monday, Top Player Tuesday, Women in History Wednesday, Throwback Thursday, and Friday favorites. Obviously, if you have any ideas for these days on social media, please let us know. Visit us on MyWSports.com. Again, you can shoot us a shout-out at MyWSports on social media, and you can always make a donation on GoFundMe at GoFundMe.com forward slash MyWSports. Again, for Eric Ayala, uh, Kyle Westcott, I'm Luis Sanchez. Thank you all for joining us here on MyWSports Sports Sunday. Tune in next Sunday for another edition of this great show. Have a great week.